Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction's Patreon, episode 59. I call BS. I call BS on this game. This is the test, right? Like this is you're like a Harvard professor mm. who just continues abusing his students until they learn the most valuable lesson of all to stand up for themselves. Yes. This is like dead poet society, but for people who can't win quiz games. Or read. <laughs> uh, and speaking of the reader of this show, I of course have your host, comedian archaeologist Robert <laughs> Timothy. With me as always is my comedian, Mr. Damian Mercado. Damian, how are you doing the afternoon? I am doing great. Oh captain, my captain. Good morning, Vietnam! That's, is that the only Robin? No, you've seen Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> That's right. That's two. Oh, my God. You have, uh, if it wasn't for Mrs. Doubtfire, there would be no introduction to this show. <laughs> we would just roll into science articles. Oh, dear. I call BS the game where I read four science news articles. Uh, some of which are real, some of which are BS, any for bad science. They could all be true, all be false, or any combination thereof in between. Uh, normal rules apply, as of course you guys all know. Uh, when we do play with the scientists. <laughs> where can fans find? Uh, can, can, uh, uh, can the Patreons? Look up any regular quiz game. It's the same rules. Ty goes to a scientist. If we have a scientist playing against Damien, that's pretty, pretty self explanatory. That's like Ty goes to the runner. Same thing. Uh, no Happy Days references. Pretty common in most uh, Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, etc. cetera. Uh, and then, you know, the other rules. But it, you guys got them. Question for you, Bobby. Yes. Uh, and I'm sure the patrons would like to know. Uh, uh, what is the status of Scientist? How, how long it is? We were we were actually about to get going back in, in person. We actually, uh, Damien knew a little bit about this. Uh, we had, uh, I had teamed up with a fellow San Diego comedian who started up his own studio. We had to close ours down during COVID. And right as, you know, Delta was, before Delta came and we were all getting vaccinated, we were getting ready to go back to in-person, like in-studio stuff. I was actually really excited. But uh, then Delta and since Omicron have come through and that is that is going to put a little bit of a hitch in our giddy up. As we've talked about before, you know, it's it's difficult enough to do a two-person show via kind of web. And Damien and I have done this enough that we can kind of do it. But it's pretty hard to throw a third person in there. It's When you when you start getting more than that, it becomes too many. Bobby's wife would not allow it. No, not at like, all. She's like, you can cheat, but only with him. <laughs> oh, more time editing? Huh. <laughs> Yeah, right. Huh. Thank you here for Patreoning. You every time you Patreon, this this elite group of science supporters That's helps right. Bobby from getting bitched at. That's true. Hundred percent. All right, let's move right on. To I call BS. I call I call I call I call I call Ring Ring. I call BS. Alright, article number one. Ancient meter-long gold and silver tubes dating to many thousands of years ago and found in modern-day Armenia have been discovered to be sexual devices used on both men and women in prehistoric Russian groups. Damien, is this science or bad science? This is science. Have you been to Siberia? I haven't, personally, but the rumors aren't good. And I imagine in every day, everything tries to kill you. You, you need some help getting off. You need something to help shake that death gaze from your eyes and instill some passion in your in the bedroom. And so, uh, tube. Insert metal tube. So, it, I was today years old when I realized Damien didn't know the difference between Armenia and Siberia. 
which is <laughs> oh, I, I thought you said Russia. I thought you said Russia, actually. You know what I just realized is the ironic thing about uh, Armenia and Siberia. Armenia is actually quite warm. Siberia, very cold. The hairier people? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like when you see those, when you watch uh, the Book of Boba Fett and you see those uh, those banthas that are like elephants with long hair. And you're like, why do you have such long hair in the desert, guys? <laughs> they did not consult a biologist. When when creating the uh, the species of Star Wars, and by the way, I thought I, I thought you said Russia, which because I was like I was like he didn't say Siberia. I la- I said later prehistoric Russian groups, which would of course span through Armenia as well. Okay, well they learned it in Russia, uh, <laughs> in Siberia, and uh, then then they realized oh we don't have to stay in Siberia, we could go live the dream, get hairy and warm in Armenia. <laughs> well, there's the American dream and the Armenian dream, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, if you've ever listened to any System of a Down song, it's yes. basically about what we've talked about. Uh, sorry, David, this is bad science. But they did find these 5,000-year-old, by the way, this is super old. This is, you know, pre-Copper Age, pre-anything. This is Stone Age, basically. They did find these 5,000-year-old gold and silver straws were used for beer drinking. Specifically, communal drinking from a large vessel. These straws were excavated from a 5,000-year-old arc site in Armenia well over a century ago, and they're accompanied by tiny bull figurines that can slide up and down these straws. We've had the straws for a while, since like the late 1800s, but a recent analysis of the material remains on the inside of one of them showed it contained the elements of beer. They found barley starch granules, cereal particles, cocaine... And a pollen grain from a lime tree. And so they think they these were the ingredients in flavored beer and that these were part of a beer drinking culture. We see this culture in other places uh, in Iran at the time and Sumer. Like it spreads kind of closely with agriculture. And I, I mean, if you ask a lot of people, they think that beer and fermented beverages are one of the things that kind of transitioned us into agriculture. Because believe it or not, transitioning to agriculture is actually kind of, you get, it's a big trade-off. Like, you kind of fuck yourself over for the next generations. When we see uh, early agriculturalists, their their skeletons are small. They're weak. They don't get a variety of diet. It's usually monoculture and monocrops. and Because they, they were drunk all the time. <laughs> fails a lot. Yeah, exactly. Really interesting, and I think it's something we should get back to. We should start getting a big old pot of beer for a bunch of buddies to share with giant straws. A lot of respect to that culture. Yeah, because you know, beer was invented. They they chose to go the communal route way, and after mm-hmm. like one guy just like would like w- wipe his ass with his hand, and yes. he could go like just okay, we gotta th- okay, we gotta get straws. Yeah, listen, we are human beings, and we can invent things. So all of our cultural energy, go town meeting. What do we do? <laughs> we might be Armenians, but we're still kind of people. <laughs> There's a Larry David episode in there like, oh, I don't want to drink beer anymore with crack. Well, I'm going to say it. Article number two. A new article suggests that we may soon be able to tell someone's age by looking at their belly button. Damien, is this science or bad science? This is science. As you may not know this about me, Bobby, but I'm kind of into belly buttons. And as I have learned, I'm literally the only one. And so I can understand why most people, even scientists, doctors, wouldn't know this. But we have something similar in our belly buttons, both innies and outies, uh, that are similar to rings on a tree. Yes. Uh, You got to get in close and like really just deal with, just get in there, but also deal with the awkward looks that the person is undoubtedly giving to you as you're going into town on their belly button. But you paid them for their silence. 
I do like, by the way, that you are uh, like a self-proclaimed belly button aficionado. Like you had a pamphlet at one time that was like, the belly button, nature's better vagina? <laughs> yeah, a lot of college campuses uh, have a shoot on site policy <laughs> with me. Uh, sorry, Damien, this one is bad science. But a new paper did come out suggesting we may be able to tell a person's age by their retina. The light-sensing cells at the back of the eye have long been noted to have a correlation with biological age. Their degeneration is a good measure of biological age, and researchers have used a large data set of retinal images correlated to known ages to teach an AI how to gauge a person's age from retinal info. So they just basically toss it like 80,000 pictures of retinas with associated ages and let it learn how to tell one from one. It then went even further and found people who have different chronological ages from their biological ages, meaning their biological age, what was determined from looking at their retina versus their their chronological age when they were born based on that retina. And it turned out that those people with older biological age or retinal age than chronological age had between 50 and 70% higher risk of death from diseases other than cardiovascular and cancer. We don't know what's going on here. We don't know what that necessarily means. If there's some kind of advanced aging and that is your biological clock is basically the retina or it's the closest one that we have found yet. Or if this is a correlational thing, like maybe everybody's retinas gets burned out and they die because they walk into the street and they don't see the goddamn cars. Perhaps, Bobby, perhaps. But what's important here is that my secret about telling belly ages through belly buttons is still mm. my secret. So that means that like, first off, the sky's the limit. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, at the very least, I could set up a booth at like a festival in the South and be like, I could tell your age just by just by looking at your belly button. I feel really betrayed right now because now I realize you didn't trust me. I thought you were just really into giving me raspberries, but it turns out this whole time <laughs> I was getting off. <laughs> oh, That's I right. You were just trying to figure out how old I was. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I, just because, you know, we went to the same middle school. I know. Yeah. You were just checking. <laughs> yeah, I was double checking. Where did, I mean, you... All of my friends have double tapped on this. I watch their I watch the additional ring on each of your belly buttons grow. I do like the idea that we could at some point have some kind of uh, objective clock as to somebody's life. Like there's these stories, like there's that one story of the the female Russian dwarf who was like adopted by that couple and then they later believe she's like 26 and was just pulling a scam. It's like you could actually answer some of those questions. You know, there's I, I saw one recently about a uh, uh, like a like there was like a shitty white trash mom in like Colorado or something wherever. But basically, uh, she was like forty or no, she was like she was like in her high thirties, and uh, she stole her daughter's identity to uh, apply to college where she lived oh, in the yes. dorms. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, we all we all want to relive the glory days, but uh, but a crazy few, we crazy few. Yeah, and like. The dorms wouldn't be where you want it. Like, you'd think there'd be a lot of questions about, like, stretch marks and stuff. Like, at some point, they're like, wait, are you, like, a 38-year-old who's had a kid? Because we're 19. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. we're in the showers together. Maybe you should have picked a private living arrangement for this university. She could say I had a child uh, at 13 that I had to give up. Bam. And my boobs went through a time portal, so they're technically 40. <laughs> Fe- I uh, fed my daughter. I breastfed my daughter <laughs> before giving her up for adoption. Bam. A, go- a good liar. <laughs> With a shop vac? She's not talking to Bobby now, married Bobby at 37. She's talking to, let's say, Bobby at 18, super horny, and honestly not questioning anything right now. He knows he's about to get some. I have no questions. All right, on to article number three. <laughs> teacher, teacher, I need more homework. Yeah, let me let me call a ref on this one. 
<laughs> Article number three, a new paper describes how to make an anthrax and flu-killing disinfectant using just sawdust. Damien, is this science or bad science? This is science because I have seen videos of people using sawdust to start fires, and that will disinfect anything. That is true. I've seen the movie Rambo where it was used to disinfect a bullet wound. Ooh. It was not the sawdust, but fire. But fire can be obtained from many sources. It's a proof of concept, really. Yeah, I mean, plus, why else would we use it on all that vomit? Uh, but is this... <laughs> you just got to deal... We've all been in American public school where some kid has vomited. The janitor comes in, throws the sawdust on it, lights the sawdust, <laughs> sprinklers put out the fire. Everybody can resume what we're learning in a wet classroom. And the kid who threw up feels so much shame that everybody hates him now. <laughs> Until the janitor, of course, has to shove more sawdust down his throat. <laughs> then light it. Uh, David, this one is science and kind of interesting. Based on the fact that sawdust comes from wood and wood comes from plants and plants have their own natural defensive chemicals against infection. Now, it's here that I have to distinguish between a disinfectant and an antibiotic. This would be a disinfectant, something you could apply to something, onto something to get rid of uh, bacteria and other pathogens. That's different than an antibiotic, which you take into your body. Again, we talked about this when we talked about the whole bleach thing. Bleach is a disinfectant. You can pour it on stuff and kill all the bacteria bacteria that's on that countertop, but pouring it into your body is not going to stop a bacterial infection. So Neosporin yeah, is, so, a, is a disinfectant. No, it's both I actually. they Neosporin, say don't eat it. You're allowed to eat it? No, Neosporin has antibiotic on topical antibiotics. Um, but the difference is one is working in your body and one is working outside of your body. So again, this is a disinfectant, not an antibiotic. This would not help our antibiotic resistance, for instance. But this concoction was made from water and sawdust combined in a pressure cooker for an hour to release phenol-like compounds that have disinfectant properties. It showed 99% effectiveness in disinfecting against the common pathogens we test disinfectants against. It would be especially useful because cleaners not only poison us. We have talked before, we've covered a story about how maids have higher instances of certain lung damage, how you can make basically mustard gas by combining bleach and ammonia, how, how that stuff is, can be quite bad for you. Uh, because of that, you know, there's some problems with standard household cleaners. And by the way, they go down the storm drain and fuck up stuff there as well, especially if your storm drain, like ours, goes right into the ocean. These phenol-like chemicals are not thought to cause nearly as much harm as some of the other chemical disinfectants that wreak havoc on coastal marine ecosystems because, again, wood washes into the ocean all the time. That is fascinating uh, that if you put sawdust in a pressure cooker, that is the effect you get. Yeah. But fun fact, if you put it into an air fryer, you get a powerful aphrodisiac. You get the uh, latest food offering from LaCroix. <laughs> yeah, I can really taste the sawdust, although I'm really horny. <laughs> that would be the only problem is like, the one thing you'd be sure wouldn't taste like sawdust would be a LaCroix soda that was flavored like sawdust. Like, you'd you'd be like, I, I, this is certainly not like sawdust, right? Is it the packaging? <laughs> All right, article number four. A new book out by a microbiologist suggests that we are slowly losing crucial resources that we rarely think of. Feces. As more feces ends up in the sewers and landfills, less is around for the natural environment to feed good bacteria and help crops grow. Damien, is this science or bad science? This is bad science. Although I campaigned heavily for sewage systems for wild animals as well as domesticated animals, I, it never got anywhere through Congress. I would love it. So I, I happen to know 
that there, no matter if you go out to any field anywhere out <laughs> here in America, you're going to find shit. <laughs> That's your, that was your political campaign. That was the America my grandfathers fought for. David, this is bad science, which means that you got 50-50, also known as the molester score. You got half right, half wrong, no better than chance. The molester score. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I've played a lot of sports, so I know Uh teams that have, like, I know about ties. Yes. I know about uh, even uh, teams that go five and five. Yes, but that that team is not playing against itself, Damien. This is what you forget. (laughs) So first off... Because how, how, how am I losing? What's my opponent? Who's on score? Is it? Do you have like exactly? Do you have a variant? Exactly. A variant, Damien, who's like killing me, killing it. Like, I wish he loses too. Uh, by the way, for your first two questions, like I was like, because uh, I don't know if you guys know, but I've uh, disregard what Bobby says after this, but I've gotten like two perfects, uh, <laughs> I think in the last like two months or something. Uh, and uh, Bobby, so I could tell Bobby's been making some changes. So the first two questions, he made, he, we've never had a question about a sex toy. I have evolved. We're seeing evolution in action. I evolved to learn how to combat the test giver. And he is evolving to learn how to throw me off. He's knowing, like, listen, I'm going to give him the easy, low-hanging fruit with a sex toy joke. Is he going to jump with it? You guys heard it straight from the molester's mouth. All right, Damien, so this <laughs> is science. But microbiologist Joe Handelsman's new book is about a resource we are quickly losing but don't think much about, topsoil. Oh, yeah, we're definitely losing that. We sometimes think of soil as just like being what's on the ground around us. But in fact, that is often not the case. Soil is a pretty specific definition. It has organic components to it. It's got mixtures of living things in there. There's some microbes. There's some fungi, some plants. There's everything. Uh, And that's why things tend to grow in it. Whereas very few plants can grow into just dirt or sand that doesn't have those nutritional uh, aspects to it. Some things can. You can go out on the beach and find a couple of plants that can survive on the sand. But most cannot. And most is certainly true of our crops. Our crops need good soil to grow. And tell, tell her all succulent diet. Yes, uh, that's right. <laughs> then we can harvest the desert, the growing power of the desert. Another slice of cactus for you. <laughs> just, just munching on aloe vera plants and hoping to die soon. <laughs> You've just so much vomit at this restaurant. Yeah, but it's all aloe. Uh, so, like, if you have a sunburn, just throw up on it. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here. And we're actually losing topsoil much quicker than we are replenishing it. And there are certain places like Nigeria and Indiana that have, like, massive topsoil losses over the last few decades to the point where, like, you can look at satellite Im- imagery and now entire places that used to be fields and stuff are essentially barren. They cannot grow anything anymore because all the topsoil has been removed and it's just dirt. Sometimes it's bedrock. Like, it depends what's underneath it. And that's a huge issue. And since it's something that kind of creeps up on us and we don't think of a lot, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it gets it's kind of getting out beyond our control. Now, there are ways to combat it. You can make soil by mixing organic materials with dirt and stuff, and he talks about some old techniques that uh, we might want to bring back to do that in terms of agriculture and agribusiness. But the point of the matter is just even noticing it. Like, I could probably tell you that topsoil erosion was a thing, but I probably couldn't tell you that in general it's a huge issue and we're losing much more topsoil than we are replenishing it with. And I probably couldn't tell you that. I, I, you know, somebody said, hey, Nigeria has lost 80% of its topsoil over the last few decades. I'd be like, oh, that's horrible for Nigeria, but I could see how that happened. And they're like, oh, and it happened to Indiana too. And I was like, but they don't have anything else. What are you going to do if you take away farming? It's like that and cow fucking. What are you going to do? 
Gary, Indiana is the birthplace of Michael Jackson. As long as his as long as his legacy stays intact, um, I uh, as a as a non newsreader, by the way, yes, uh, I think they could the state of Indiana could capitalize on that. If that if for some reason his legacy is ruined, that state's fucked. Oh my goodness! Very very interesting. Anyway, thank you, audience, for coming back to Science Factions Patreon episode fifty nine, where you learned all about how ancient people used meter long gold and silver tubes to drink beer out of communal vessels. How soon we might be able to tell somebody's age by looking at their retina. How you can make an anthrax and flu-killing disinfectant using just sawdust and water. And why we're losing topsoil faster than we can replenish it. Thank you so much for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction 599. I used to be a real topsoil, but uh, lately I've been more of a dirt bottom. You've been listening to Science Faction. Wait, that's not right. Mm-hmm.